The reading is from Gospel of John, chapter 12. And we're starting at verse 12. The next day the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, and it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd was, that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew when Philip uh, in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for an eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from the heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it and said it had thundered. Others said another angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, the wars was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment of this world. Now the prince of the world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this son of man? Then Jesus told them, You're going to have a light just a little while longer. While walk, longer. walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he's going. Put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become sons of the light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. That is the word of the Lord. Well, Jesus arriving in, in Jerusalem, and they received him 
But the question I have for you today is, how did you, how did you receive him? Let me start by bringing out a human phenomenon. It's called buyer's remorse. It is what happened in Jerusalem this time, over the next few days, and it is what happens all around the world all the time. People make their choices based on what they think is best for them. They have their own in mind. The popular perception in Jerusalem at this time was, so to speak, that Jesus, with all his supernatural powers and all the things that he did, he would be their promised king who had come to get rid of the Romans and move them out of Israel forever. So he was celebrated for this. He was given, he was actually given a hero's welcome. See, nations even today elect their leaders for all the same reasons. Is what can we get? from this new government that we are electing now. And then we really get what we really wanted. And then this buyer's remorse sets in. Oh, I really shouldn't have. Today's passage, I guess, is a truly wonderful text that offers us so much to clarify some of these things in our lives. But let us pray as we take it all in. Our loving God, we come to you to ask that you will open our minds, still our hearts and let all this sink in, that we truly understand what this day meant for Jesus and for us. We pray this in his holy name. Amen. Well, today's passage in many ways are a most wonderful beginning, the start of explaining why it is so important to each of us that it is totally only in God's hand as to who will be saved. In fact, that is the only assurance that we have because it's his decision. In verse 12, the next day a great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Well, Jesus had found a donkey, a young donkey, and sat upon it as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Well, up until now, we have no passage really that we can read in the Bible of any of the Gospels indeed that indicates that Jesus actually is an attention seeker. He's not trying to bring attention to himself. Mostly he is actually on the contrary to that. He's been curing people by miracles and telling them to be quiet about it. But thank God for it. But not of recent times. As times are closing in on this day, we have moved closer to this time. Jesus has been increasingly bold in claiming that he and the Father are one. A statement to that effect. So if Jesus isn't seeking generally attention to himself, then we could sort of say, well, why is he then coming and riding into Jerusalem in such pomp and adoration? Well, the arrival is much like the welcoming a war hero with the spoils of war and a great victory, even to the point of letting people declare him to be one. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Well, Hosanna is a call for him to come and save the world, to save them. 
He's come as their king in the line of David, which they've been promised. They knew that. And their revered warrior king of old, they want him to be like a David that was their warrior king. And that was what was expected of him. So why did Jesus do all this? Why did he even let this happen? Well, firstly, it's been prophesied. It's said about him in Psalm 118, O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is merely, by all these things, is doing what the Bible says about him. In Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious lowly and riding on the donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Again, prophesied about Jesus. Every step of the path that Jesus was to tread was planned and indeed served the point Jesus was the, in the scriptures of the Old Testament, all part of meeting all the prophecies that were said about him. There was over 300 prophecies that spoke of Jesus. Had the temple leaders taken some time, however, and checked that they read through the scriptures they're supposed to be teaching, they would have found this out and they would have known without any doubt that Jesus, in fact, is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is God. And it's the same for you and I. We are in a present, presented with the facts, the evidence of who he is, and then we can be certain that we are in his hands and a gracious and merciful God and his son. We are with them because they decided that we are his. On the other hand, arriving as he did, also no doubt served to increase the anger and the jealousy of the temple leaders. They were furious already. Now this, him being declared the king of Israel, that was going to be the last straw. God would have had an intimate understanding of the trigger points in these people and knew exactly how to get them fired up. He had a plan, and it was going to happen. See, you and I can today read the Bible. We can read all the scriptures, and we can look up the various passages being used to point us to Jesus from the Old Testament into the New. And this had not been available to the disciples, but they did have the old scriptures which is highly likely why we read the next verse, because they didn't understand. At first, in verse 16, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and they had done these things to him. It took a while, didn't it? Just as you and I can see all this in hindsight, so did the disciples as well. But it was much, much later. It was at basically coming down to the day of the ascension that they had received the Holy Spirit after that and that was the time that things truly came alive in their hearts and their minds. See, they received then what we have received already. And this is the question that will always be with us. Do we truly understand all that we have read in the Bible about Jesus? Have we really got it in our hearts? Any such uncertainty will be removed 
during a time of sanctification. It is the period of time until the day you die or are called home. You will indeed, as you read his scriptures faithfully day by day, you will get to know these truths in your own heart. Verse 17 tells us, Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. People do that today. They hear things about Jesus. Some will come to try to meet him and some won't. This was all the days leading into the Passover and there were many, many more people staying in Jerusalem than normally. So the crowd there would have been huge. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now it's not just Israel going after him. They have now declared the whole world. Now we could say that is truth because we have in Jerusalem in those days, we have Greeks and Gentiles from all over the world that lives and comes in to be in Jerusalem this day. Now there were some Greeks there among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip who was from Bethsaida and Galilee with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to Andrew, Andrew and Philip then in turn went to Jesus. The disciples at this point of time had been told over and over by Jesus that he was going to be his last week and that he would be killed. He was going to die for them. And yet someone comes up to them and wants to talk to Jesus and they are distracted by these strangers, these strangers that want to see the man. Then Jesus declared to be their king, which is why Jesus brings them back. He then brings them back and gets them focused on what is really the time and the place. In verse 23, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And he continues to teach them, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servants also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. See, even if Jesus alludes to the fact that he has to die for others to live, he also teaches that if you sacrifice yourself for the benefit of others, that is what is of great value and will be seen as a service to Christ. That is what Jesus means when he tells us, my father will honor the one who serves me. Yet next we have yet another part of scripture which tells us how human, how human Jesus truly is. In verse 27 he starts, my heart is troubled. Well, the time is near. Jesus is feeling the pressure. Feeling of anxiety may be setting in. Everything is coming so close now. And he says, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. So you and I really need to fully comprehend that this hour 
this hour has been coming at him for 30 years. He has lived with this all his life, knowing that this hour was to come, that he should suffer and die. He has known it. It is Good Friday today, and even if these sort of thoughts are not part of our top of our mind awareness all year, then now is the time to reflect maybe more deeply on the truth and the sadness of it all. And Jesus continues, Father, glorify your name. And a voice from heaven, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd was there and heard it and they said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Well, this should remind us a little bit about history, about the time at Mount Sinai when God spoke. It was so incredibly loud and powerful that all the Israelites were scared and they didn't want to hear from God, they wanted to hear from Moses. It was probably like a thunder from heaven. In verse 30, Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. He's speaking to the disciples here. Now is the time for judgment of this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. Jesus was obviously here referring to the fact that he would be lifted high on the cross. That was in the words in those days and it was understood. We can also very much conclude that this may well well refer to the fact that it will also be lifted up into heaven. So it's not just his death on the cross, but it is his ascension to, to be in heaven. As he was at the ascension and after that, probably people started truly to be drawn to him through the witnessing of the apostles in Jerusalem and beyond. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Well, Jesus tells them. You're going to have the light just a little longer while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he's going. Put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become sons of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus let know from them. The term son of man, of course, we know, was started at Daniel back in the Old Testament in Daniel chapter 7. And all other prophecies point to him that he is who the son of man is. He is Jesus the Christ. Whether to die or not was not a decision for Jesus to make. To go to the cross to take our sins upon himself, again, was not a decision Jesus made. It was always the will of the Father. It was a plan that he had put in place that would decide the events and the outcome of everything that happens. Whether to be a follower of Christ or not was not a decision you and I would ever make. It was always the will of the Father that would decide the time and the place of our conversion, the time and the day that you were converted and understood who Jesus was. That was in the hands of God the Father. The people of Jerusalem welcomed the true Son of God, but they did not understand it. All people who has been blessed with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit has welcomed the true Son of God and have understood it. 
This is why today is such a good day for you and I. That's why we can rightly refer to this as Good Friday. This is the day you and I were set free from our sins and indeed our guilt. This is all what we need to do. We need to celebrate and we need to welcome him. Every day of our lives, not just today, not tomorrow, every day we need to celebrate him and welcome him as a reminder of the incredible sacrifice that he had to endure for our benefit. When Jesus said, my heart is troubled, we should be able to grasp the seriousness within those words, the sadness that he has. He knew he was to die an awful death. He knew his people would continuously be persecuted for being simply being his followers. But just as he faithfully and obediently continued on the path that was set out for him by the Father, so must we accept both the good and the bad that comes from being a follower of him as we continue, hopefully, to serve him. This is for us maybe the most wonderful day ever as we can now absolutely for certain we know and we know that we can say it. We are safe in his hands for all eternity. That's what this day brought us. There's only one day later on that may be even greater for us, and that is the ascension. That is the time when he went home, and that is the time when he sent his Holy Spirit to wake us up to who he is. That was a special day. That's to come in a month and a half. Praise be to our God and our Father and the Son and his Holy Spirit that he has given us life, that he died to make all this possible for us. Let us pray. Our gracious and loving Father, we come to you to thank you for this wonderful, wonderful day, this sad, sad day that we can rejoice in in a few days when you resurrect him from the dead, that you bring us new life and new hope and a certainty that we are safe in your hands. Lord, as we go out from here today and we assemble back here on Sunday morning, going that time in between, Lord, may this really ponder in our hearts what it is that is going on, what went on those days. And what is it that you want from us? What is it that we can do to honor your name and indeed show the world what the truth is that we may share this wonderful, wonderful gospel with those that haven't seen it or heard it? We thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy. We thank you for your forgiveness. And we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' holy name, amen.